have a friend named Dan Cabis. He's a dairy farmer up near Arthur, which means he works every single morning and evening out in his barn taking care of about a million cows. Because of his schedule, Dan and I connect for a sort of late breakfast, early lunch, whenever we can, so that we can talk about life, God, the Bible, and sometimes cows. The last time we got together was about two weeks ago. I waited at the church office for Dan to arrive, but he was late. He finally pulled in about 20 minutes later than expected. Sorry, he said. A cow died a few days ago, and it just got picked up now. A few days ago, I asked? He went on to explain this freak accident earlier that week, which resulted in a dead cow that had become inaccessible until that morning. Don't ask. A special worker had to come and take the cow away. Are you allowed to keep a cow if it dies under normal circumstances, I asked. Not really. You need to be pretty careful when you kill an animal. It needs to be done really humanely, and you need to drain the blood really fast or it will ruin the animal. Dan answered much smarter sounding than this. I was fascinated. I never thought about how precise killing an animal needed to be, and I certainly never considered that there was an art to draining its blood. We were about to eat, so we started talking about more pleasant things. But weeks later, I had been thinking about that conversation again. Blood is kind of gross, let's be honest. No one likes to see blood. Usually when we see blood, we know that something serious is happening. Blood is a matter of life and death. Now, considering just how vital blood is to our lives, it might not surprise us that scriptures speak about blood quite often. In fact, it places blood right at the center of life itself. Leviticus 17 verse 11 says, The very life of the flesh is in its blood, and I have given it to you for making atonement for your lives on the altar. You might recall earlier in the book of Genesis when a man named Cain killed his brother Abel when he became jealous of him. God confronted Cain, saying that Abel's blood was crying out to him from the ground. A bit later on, when God's people became enslaved in Egypt, God gave orders for his people to mark their homes with lamb's blood to set them apart from the death which he visited onto their slave drivers. In all of these verses, blood is pictured as the vital life source in a person or animal. Perhaps this is why Jesus was so upfront about the power and the gift of his own blood. In what can be classified as one of the most unsettling sermons in all of history, Jesus gives the following invitation to his listeners. Very truly I tell you, he says, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. John six fifty-three. Now, as you can imagine, many people actually stopped following Jesus then and there. They were confused and more than a little disgusted by this message. Eat flesh and drink blood? 
But Jesus continued to talk about his blood through the rest of his life. He insisted that his blood was the source of life within him, which he would give so others could share in his life. In fact, Jesus' offering of blood was so important to him that he spent one of his final nights on earth gathered at a table with his closest followers where he offered them yet another invitation to take his blood. This time, however, he did so while holding on to a cup of freshly poured red wine. Matthew 26 27 to 28 says he took that cup and after giving thanks he gave it to them saying drink from it all of you for this is my blood of the covenant which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins from that moment on the followers of Jesus have gathered around this communion cup as a way of saying Jesus we believe that you have shared your life with us. You didn't hold it back or protect it. Rather, you sacrificed yourself, even to the point of death. This cup, like your life, has been blessed by God and given to us to share in. We drink the cup together and we believe that the life of Jesus is present with us. He is in us. We have drunk his blood a blood that cries out to God like the blood of Abel. Only Jesus' blood speaks a better word. Jesus' blood makes us his own possessions, his own brothers and sisters who share in his one blood. So when we come together this Friday at Central, let's take Jesus' invitation to heart. When we share that cup, we will be sharing in his very gift of life together. Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, we are one family with you. We share in your life because you have shared in your blood. This is a mystery to us. But thank you for filling us with your life and making us brothers and sisters with you. Amen.